This podcast contains advice that should never be followed, spoilers you'll wish you hadn't heard, and language you wouldn't teach to children. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony art. It's time for Agony Art. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony Art. Well, Agony Art is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony Art a call. Welcome to Agony Art, the Agony Art podcast in which we try to solve your problems, not by offering actual advice, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. And while we can't guarantee we'll solve any of your problems, at least you'll be left with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. My name is Liam, I'm an amateur musician and occasional listener of albums. And with me I have Aaron, our languid literary liaison. And Carl, our magnificent movie maverick, here with us in our home away from home. Yes, that's right. We're back in the studio. Let's on tour. How does it feel? <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. It's strange being back, isn't it? It's a little bit muggy. Muggy I don't, in I here. don't like that I can't mute you both anymore. <laughs> um, we would have a fan on, Carl, but um, it fucks up the mics. It's okay. I'm not really muggy. You're muggy. <laughs> well, muggy or not, Cole, you'll be astounded, I'm sure, to learn this is our 20th episode. 20 episodes. That is mental. And also, it's the last episode of Series 1. Oh, my wow. days. Finally. We've been through 19 episodes of solid story to get to this point. How's it going to end? <laughs> well, that, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> Fate to black. <laughs> it was all a dream. Is it going to be a cliffhanger? We're we going to leave oh, it open for a second series. I dreamt there was a shit podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what have we learned from doing twenty episodes of a podcast? We're virgin podcasters. Maybe, maybe the listeners are like, "Yeah, we fucking knew that." <laughs> <laughs> um, We'd never done a podcast before, and here we are at the end of series one of our first podcast, 20 episodes down. What have we learned about podcasting, do you reckon? I've learned that podcasting makes you zero pounds. <laughs> zero pounds. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> so far. But we're nearly, we're in touching distance of 1,000 listens. I reckon when we hit 1,000 listens, we should do a giveaway on Instagram. What would we give away? Liam's virginity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I sold that ages ago. <laughs> um, I reckon... Uh, I was thinking something like... Because um, we do films, books and music. Three months of Netflix. Three months of Spotify. Three months of a book subscription. Who's paying for this? Uh, you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, or the lucky winner. <laughs> you get to buy your own <laughs> subscription. <laughs> Maybe this competition needs some work. But Liam, what have you learned from 20 episodes of podcasting? I've learned that there's a lot of effort that goes into a podcast. <laughs> and and sometimes Prep all, work. all of the hosts put in the effort. <laughs> I haven't learned that because Liam and Aaron do everything basically. <laughs> Carl's like effort. Eff <laughs> let's 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 flip this back on you, Aaron. What what do you think? Is there anything that we need to do better in series two? Um, I think probably we're already aware of the problems we've got. <laughs> like it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think the biggest problem we've got is promoting ourselves because the people on Instagram who are very successfully getting new listeners are very good at courting strangers. And <laughs> we're not. As we've discussed before, we're scared of the opinions of strangers. <laughs> so, <laughs> before we begin, I want to make it very clear that we're not really here to solve your life's hardest problems. All of our submissions are certified 100% trivial or fictional pickles, and our advice should almost never be followed we're really only here to have fun 
So if you're having a real hard time, I'd recommend visiting our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So let's get on with the show. Here's our first problem of the day. My partner and I have just bought a new puppy and I've never been more excited or more in love. But the puppy seems to like my partner more than me, which is deeply upsetting. Should I try to steal her away or just deal with being the least favourite parent? Who let Michael Caine in? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, puppy. <laughs> um, you're Carl. only supposed to blow the bloody puppy up. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe that's why it doesn't like you. <laughs> Carl, didn't you buy a um, puppy during COVID? I did, yes. Um, Does it prefer your wife to you? Um, she goes with whoever has a blanket. She goes woohoo. <laughs> she goes woohoo blanket. <laughs> uh, she um like when we sit on the sofa, she'll just go with whoever looks the comfiest. Mm. And she's obsessed with blankets. And uh, the other day, it's hot now. Not doxing us, but you know weather's good. <laughs> not doxing the season. <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on, now everyone knows we're in the northern hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my wife was just wearing a dress as you would do and um, it was just like trying to get under her dress as thinking it was a blanket she was like why are you wearing a blanket and I'm not <laughs> right. so um, but um, so this isn't a problem that you've got then no because you can just out blanket each other when, when you exactly, want to receive yeah, dog we have love. a solution yeah so not that I'm taking over hosting but mm. names names Michael Caine <laughs> Michael <laughs> there you go Michael's got a dog the dog loves his partner more. Bruce. Bruce. Is it Bruce a shark? Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> right, so who can start us off? Well, I will, because I've got some gold. Oh, you, cool. you can't start it with that and then it be let, a letdown, Carl. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Maybe Carl should go last so that if it is a letdown, we can really build up to it. <laughs> no, I'd rather paper over it not being gold <laughs> afterwards, but... Um, you may recall last episode I mentioned a certain film that um, someone from my past was a big fan of. You remember? Someone from your past. Yeah. Well, I'd, uh, a builder, basically, that I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. of course. We should have known this would come up. Yeah. Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Three. <laughs> Three. Three. <laughs> um, so I decided to go all the way back to Beverly Hills Rewind. Chihuahua. The original one. Now, obviously, I didn't watch this, but I've done extensive research on. <laughs> obviously, I didn't. <laughs> but you could have because it's on Disney Plus. Other streaming services are available. <laughs> but a quick question for you, and this might explain why it spawned two sequels. But off a budget of twenty million dollars, how much did Beverly Hills Chihuahua gross? Budget of twenty million. <sighs> well, it made enough to justify a sequel, so I'm going to guess. Two sequels. Mm. So I'm going to guess 40 or 50 million. 80 million. 150 million dollars. Wow. Oh. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Who paid to go and see it? Well, Except your mate. <laughs> who, who, was, who was in it? So I reckon that most of that 20 million was paid to Jamie Lee Curtis and Drew Barrymore for starring oh in Oh my Hills. days. Were they already famous at this point as well? Well, it was. 2008 mm. so yes I think so <laughs> no <laughs> neither of them had been heard of at that point but what was Jamie Lee Curtis first film anyone know or first mainstream film uh, Freaky Friday <laughs> <laughs> Liam no idea Halloween oh, really 1973 something like that mm. and Drew Barrymore we all know this one E.T. 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 yeah I was going to say uh, Batman Forever was she in that I think so I know I have issues with plot rundowns, but there's not a lot to this one, so just bear with me, okay? So, um, Viv is Chloe the Chihuahua's owner. She leaves Chloe the Chihuahua with her irresponsible niece, Rachel, which already seems like a stupid thing to do. Yeah. Um, Does she know she's irresponsible? She must do, really, yeah. Is um, the niece played by Drew Barrymore? I don't know. Oh. Maybe. So, uh, Chloe the Chihuahua is a pampered... Living the life of luxury in Beverly Hills, loving life, to the point where one of the plot lines is um, she hates the Mexican gardener's chihuahua who fancies her. Wait, the chihuahua fancies her? 
Or the no. Mexican gardener. <laughs> no, the Mexican gardener's chihuahua fancies Chloe the chihuahua. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Fuck. This so, is becoming a clueless plotline. <laughs> yeah, in the film, just imagine chihuahuas are people, I think. <laughs> yeah. So what, what are people? And <laughs> people are chihuahuas. So, yeah, so Pappy, the gardener's chihuahua, fancies Chloe, but he's obviously rough stock, so Chloe doesn't want anything to do with him. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's kind of like a side plot. Um, there is a side plot to this film. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Chloe's all pampered and stuff, living a life of luxury. Um, Rachel, the irresponsible niece, um, decides to go on a trip to Mexico and takes Chloe with her because she's watching her. So, well, oh, fuck it, I'll take the chihuahua too. Um, and then Rachel goes out leaving Chloe in the hotel room and then Chloe gets anxious because she's not used to being on her own and she's used to being pampered and excuse me Rachel where are you supposed to be looking after me is she the kind of person who carries a chihuahua in her handbag well no she didn't take it with her so probably not no but oh Viv yeah I would imagine Viv the actual one is yeah exactly Um, and so obviously Chloe goes missing looking for Rachel in Mexico and gets dog napped oh shit she ends up in a dogfighting ring. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds dark. Um, scheduled to fight a Doberman named El Diablo. Um, and then there's a hero dog called Delgado, who's a police dog, who's in Alsatian, I believe. Uh, but he was forced into early retirement because he lost his sense of smell after being attacked by El Diablo. Oh, Ooh, shit, yeah. boy. So they got beef going back years. <laughs> um, so Delgado helps... Chloe escape El Diablo. <laughs> I and love the spirit of your. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's a really weird little side bit where Chloe saves a pack rat named Manuel from being eaten by an iguana named Chico. I don't know why they all need names, like, especially like the side <laughs> animals. You know, Manuel gratefully offers to take Chloe's collar to his ship for the captain to read it, and Chloe accepts. But when Delgado returns. And finds out what happened. He explains that it was all a con to steal Chloe's expensive collar. And that in reality, Iguana's a vegetarian. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Do the dogs talk? Chico would never have eaten Manuel. <laughs> yeah, what is... I'll echo Liam's yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. Do the dogs talk? Yeah. What do you think they're doing? Like, <laughs> can the humans understand them? Is this no. set in our world? Yeah. Or is this yeah. the... No, it's set in their world. <laughs> B-H-C-U. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the I think it's they understand each other. All animals oh, right. understand each other, but yeah. humans don't understand them. So um, <laughs> makes sense. Why not? Yeah. So then, <laughs> like things happen. Uh, Chloe gets attacked by mountain lions. They get trapped in an Aztec temple, but they make it back to Beverly Hills when Delgado miraculously recovers his scent. Yeah. Okay, so nice, he has a yeah. new story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chloe realises that, um, well, they end up, the Aztec temple is in Chihuahua in Mexico. And Chloe kind of finds herself in Chihuahua and realises that she loves Pappy all along. He's mm. not too rough for her. <laughs> rough. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they end up, end up back at Beverly Hills um, and things are all great. Where is this... Where is the relevance? <laughs> I see you searching for it. <laughs> Been wondering for eight minutes since she began this plot summary. <laughs> so, my point is to love your dog. That's what they're there for. Be nice to them, treat them well, but don't jealous for its affections because you're going to give it a complex, and they're only going to get anxious, and you might find out that it wanders off in Mexico and ends up <laughs> having a bit of an adventure. But what if you don't go to Mexico? Then it might wander off in Canterbury. <laughs> but you, the thing is, you never know what your irresponsible niece is going to do. So. No. That's true. Yeah. Especially when she's Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Remarkably unreliable person. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say um, both love your dog, but don't overdo it. Keep it grounded. Mm. Well, I would. Um, I'm going to take that a bit further. Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. No. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I think you've got you're on the right track there, Carl. I think you know you've got to love your puppy like you do. Love, love, love your puppy like you love do. Love it like you do. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I'm thinking maybe 
right now you're not loving it in the right way and that's why it's yeah. not uh you know giving the attention giving you the attention you want michael this is a family show <laughs> you still don't want to love it in that way <laughs> uh i want my puppy to love me in any way i want <laughs> You're only supposed to blow the puppy's back doors off. <laughs> no, <I'm wrong. laughs> I definitely can't make it. All those <laughs> that is not getting cut. <laughs> I promise you that. <laughs> uh, no. What I'm going to tell you is about Steinbeck. You know Steinbeck, the of author? Mice and Men, John. Yeah, of, my, of Mice and Men, John. That's right. <laughs> Steinbeck, John. Of Mice and Men, author. <laughs> John Steinbeck had a dog who ate the first draft of Of Mice and Men. And Steinbeck had to write, rewrite all of that from scratch. Oh, don't you hate it when you don't save your work? Exactly. Mm. He didn't even back it up to the cloud. <laughs> Hang on, did you say his dog ate it? Ate. Is this the excuse he gave his publisher? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. This is a letter he wrote. Minor tragedy stalked. I don't know whether I told you. My setter pup left alone one night, made confetti of about half my book. Two months' work to do over again. It sets me back. There was no other draft. I was pretty mad, but the poor little fellow may have been acting critically. That's a quote from a letter printed in Steinbeck, A Life in Letters, edited by Elaine Steinbeck and Robert Wallstep. And that last sentence is the bit I want to focus on. Hmm. Critical, do you say? Yeah. The poor little fellow may have been acting critically. Maybe the dog had acted up because he thought it was a shit draft. Yeah, I was <laughs> say, yeah, yeah, he hated the book. what he's saying. <laughs> and it was the novel's fault that the dog ripped it up. And maybe it's your fault, <laughs> listener. <laughs> we might as well finish the series with victim blaming. <laughs> this is how we started. <laughs> Maybe your puppy isn't showing you as much affection because of something you're doing. Maybe you're trying too hard. You're too desperate for love and it's creeping the dog out. The dog's thinking, what's this fucking weirdo hanging around me all the time for? Stroking me and scratching my behind. So I think you should just chill out, Michael. Play hard to fetch for a while. So you're not going to use of mice and men where Lenny loves animals too much and breaks their necks? That's a good example of loving animals the wrong way, Carl. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. My example is many-fold in, <laughs> in its effectiveness. <laughs> layers upon layers. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Well, um, I think one thing you could do is you could take a leaf out of Paul Anker's book and you could uh, sit around crying about it. <laughs> so I'm, uh, That'd make you a bit of a Paul Anker, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm referring to Paul Anker's 1960 hit, Puppy Love. I thought that was Donny Osmond. Well, it was later covered by Donny Osmond. I thought that was Sonny and Cher. (laughs) (laughs) So so Donny Osmond covered it 12 years later at the age of 14. Mm. And I don't know if if it was more successful, but it was was at least as successful when Donny Osmond did it. Can you imagine if a 14-year-old covered one of your songs and it was as successful as when you did it? (laughs) How many songs have you released so far, Carl? (laughs) I couldn't imagine it, Lee. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to imagine it. I can imagine a 14-year-old doing my actual job better than me. (laughs) It's a a similar sort of thing, I think. (laughs) So I just wanted to take a brief aside to talk a little bit about Paul Anker because I feel like people don't really know much about him in general and I think he deserves a bit more recognition. I think you'd be really rude calling him a wanker. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a dog named uh, after him in Gilmore Girls. Is there? Yeah, I'm going to not fully commit to that (laughs) (laughs) well i I didn't find that in my research but i'm willing to believe you so in addition to his own solo career um he has songwriting credits on three hugely successful songs so puppy love is one of them the other two are tom jones's she's a lady and frank sinatra's my way which he wrote the English lyrics for. Uh, what? Was it in a different language first? It's originally a French song, I believe. No, <laughs> Yeah, Frank Sinatra was Edith Piaf in disguise all along. <laughs> so he also wrote a song called It Doesn't Matter Anymore. Which Paul Anker is a dog in the Gilmore Girls. He is a dog in the Gilmore Girls. Okay, great. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yes, he also wrote a song called It Doesn't Matter Anymore, which was recorded by Buddy Holly just before he died. And it reached number one in the UK. And instead of cynically cashing in on this like he could have done, Paul Anker decided to donate all of his royalties to Buddy Holly's family. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. Um, but my favourite thing about Paul Anker is he recorded an album in 2005 called Rock Swings. And it's a bit like, um, if you're familiar with Richard Cheese, it's a bit like that, but with mm. a much higher budget, <laughs> where a, a swing singer and a big band do lots of kind of rock songs. So, so he had a, a full big band, and the album featured some really great arrangements of rock classics like It's My Life, Eye of the Tiger, Smells Like it's Teen Spirit, things like that. It's top quality. I really recommend it. So give that a listen, Carl. I think you like it. Thanks. We'll um, how did this relate to the problem? Uh, I'm just oh yeah, puppy love. dogs, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so far, and Paul... it was a dog in Gilmore Girls. Yeah. So I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every... so everything I've said about Paul Anker so far is isn't really relevant. Oh, okay. So we're going to go back to it all related. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go back to 1960 and talk about puppy love. So oh yeah, fuck it, all. <laughs> <laughs> Donny Osmond's song. Uh, well, <laughs> and Paul Anker covered it. <laughs> Yeah, when he was <laughs> when he was fourteen, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so Paul Anker was actually eighteen when he released the song the first time around in nineteen. So how old was he? Here's a mess for you when Donny Osmond released it. <laughs> how old was he? Thirty. <laughs> fourteen years later. Oh, I thought it was twelve years later. Fucking hell. So it's fourteen years later, <laughs> and Donny Osmond was fourteen. So he was might not even been born when it came out. Oh wait, no, no, no. Aaron's right. It was twelve years later. <laughs> Yeah. I got confused there was two numbers one was 12 one was 14 I said the wrong one pop quiz asshole <laughs> right anyway Paul Anker was 18 when he released this no we knew that I got that right the first time <laughs> um, this is my new best game stifle Liam <laughs> say anything you can to throw Liam off track <laughs> So Paul Edgar was 18 when he released this, and, and that was quite fitting, because it tells the tale of a 17-year-old who's just had their heart broken, and everyone's telling him, it's only puppy love, you know, you'll get over it. He's heartbroken <laughs> from puppy love. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is kind of the point, right? Puppy love is generally used derogatively. That was a tough mm. word, but I've got through it. <laughs> <laughs> to to describe like that naive immature relationships that we go through while we're growing up and and I think perhaps in the fullness of time your puppy might also come into maturity and repay your affections too why are we back to having sex with your dog <laughs> for fuck's sake this is series one finale <laughs> <laughs> not that type of maturity we're, jump, we're jumping a shark here Liam <laughs> now we're fucking a shark <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> so you're saying persist and it will might sort itself out that's the answer well, well that's this. what I'm saying I'm saying you know your puppy at the end of the day is a puppy he's young she sorry she's young she's immature was it a she I think so yeah it was a she yeah so your puppy's young you know she's immature and you know she's gonna grow up one day and when she grows up she might realise all that you know you, you were giving her just as much love as your other half And but there's other advice in the music industry as well Jesus Christ, we're always already 10 minutes over. <laughs> Time our problems. You can, cut out, just, you can cut out his first answer, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> just say there are, there are examples. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few other examples of, of puppy love in the mu music industry as well. And they're all fairly negative, to be honest. And I think Nate Dogg sums it up quite well in his 1998 track called, called Puppy Love. <laughs> yeah. Is a song called Puppy Love? Yeah. Written by Paul Lanker. <laughs> when Nate Dogg was 14 <laughs> and Nate Dogg talks about his own experience and he says he got played and he, and he you know he, he lays it out in his, in his song and this is a direct quote he says thought she was sent from the heavens above y'all it's just a bad taste of puppy love and that's you know that's the point it was, it was young it was naive and, and he got burned so I, th I think I think we've all round the houses agreed on the same thing here, which uh, I think Carl put it beautifully, which is don't don't go overboard, don't just too much for your dog's affections, and because uh, you know you don't want to go over the top and end up in a bad place. So before we move on to problem two, Liam, I've got a little. It's not a little game show. I don't want to compete with you as the <laughs> um, 
There's the Les Dennis of our operation. Yeah. I don't think there's much competition. Mine went down like a lead balloon. <laughs> but it is a little little pop quiz. So I've been through, I've spent the past four weeks trawling through the first series of Agony Art. <laughs> <laughs> and I've compiled the series one Agony Art stats. Now, obviously, this is not including this finale episode, but... So, here goes. How, what do you think is our most mentioned song? Most mentioned Ooh. song? I don't think it takes a genius. I think you could listen to one episode and know which song this is. Happy Birthday by Stevie Wonder. No. Carl? <laughs> um, go Your Own Way. No. Take This Job and Shove It. Fuck. Oh, fuck's <laughs> Take This Job and Shove It by Johnny Paycheck. The runner-up was That Don't Impress Me Much by Shania Twain. We've mm. mentioned that. Three times, I think. Take your job and shove it was five times, I think. <laughs> How many songs do you reckon we've mentioned in total, pre-finale? It's got to be over 100. I reckon like 115. Carl? 288. <laughs> 190. Oh. Yeah. So that's 10 songs per episode on average so far. Assuming an average song length of 3 minutes 30, that would take you 11 hours to listen to. 665 minutes. And you say I've got the easiest job. <laughs> well, wait until you hear how long it would take to <laughs> read and watch all of the other things we've mentioned. What do you reckon the most mentioned book is? On Writing by Stephen King. No. Most mentioned book, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yes. yes. <laughs> Obviously. By John le Carre. How many books do you reckon we've mentioned in 19 episodes? It's going to be less than songs because... You two basically never mention books. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have we have a few times. And like, 60, I'm going. Yeah, I don't think you're far off. I'll go with like 78. 161 Ooh, that's books. a lot more than I expected. And yeah. how many of those have you read, Aaron? <laughs> One. <laughs> I was going to say, I know how long it took you to read them. <laughs> well, assuming an average word count of 90,000, and uh, some of them will be much higher than that, like... The Game of Thrones books. And some of them will be much lower, like the one book of mine that I mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) And an average reading speed of 300 words per minute, which is the average adult reading speed. That means about five hours per book. So in total, it would take you 33 and a half days to read all the books we've mentioned so far. Non-stop, 24 hours a day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So if you thought that was bad, Carl, Mm. and that was a lot of time... Wait until you hear how long it'd take you to consume all the media you've mentioned. <laughs> For film and TV, what do you reckon is the most mentioned film? True Lies. Nope. Aladdin. Aladdin? I, didn't, I haven't yeah. even mentioned that as part of it, <laughs> an example. Exactly. And I think that's because of, you know, all of the reference we, references we've made to yeah. it. Such Cave as, of Wonders. Ah, Cave yeah. of Wonders. Runner up was shared by Rocky and Karate Kid. Both original underdog stories. No, you're speaking my language. (laughs) So, Cole covers film and TV. So, uh, there were also a load of TV series mentioned. What do you reckon the total films and TV series mentioned were? So, we had 190 songs and 161 books. 278. 333. 228. Ooh. <laughs> That's 24 of which were TV shows Including things like Pointless Which has had 1,500 plus episodes <laughs> We're going to say mentions <laughs> from us <laughs> Arthur, which is still going since the 90s oh, hey. Arthur's still going Arthur is still going So, assuming an average film length of 95 minutes and an average series episode length of 25 minutes, and some of them are quite a lot more, like Lost, for example, the total would be 323 hours of films, so that's 13 and a half days, 2,089 hours of TV series, which is 87 days. In total, if you were going to watch everything Carl has mentioned, and to be honest, all of us have mentioned... (laughs) It would take you more than a hundred days to consume all of that film and TV uh, media. <laughs> we've we've done good for the listener. That's a lot of things to consume for them. Yeah. Isn't it? If you have listened to 
probably 20 hours of our podcast and you still are still complaining that you've got nothing to watch read or listen to you can go fuck yourself <laughs> take your ears and shove them <laughs> a ranger came arranging to old town one fine day the town so came to meet him they heard what he had to say he said i hear this town's got problems some outlaws on the run and I've come to solve these problems With my problem gun Word soon got to these outlaws About a ranger new in town And they soon came out of hiding To put this ranger down They laughed when they first saw him Beneath the high noon sun But he soon stopped them from laughing With his problem gun Problem gun, problem gun Yeah, the ranger solved their problems With his problem gun And on that note, after we've told the listeners to go fuck themselves, let's move on to problem (laughs) two. (laughs) I have real trouble persuading myself to feel confident about anything. I always feel like I don't know what I'm doing, even when I do. And that everyone thinks I'm rubbish, even when they're giving me compliments. What can I do to start feeling more like I can take on the world? <laughs> so it's got to be Brian, hasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's obvious that Brian, the writer, has imposter syndrome, basically, doesn't he? Mm. You familiar with imposter Stockholm syndrome? He's like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's where you've been taken captive and forced to write in problems to Agony Arm Podcasts. <laughs> no. Imposter syndrome is where you always feel like you don't you're not you're not where you're supposed to be and people are gonna find you out for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't feel like you're you should be doing your job because you haven't got the skill for it. And someone's gonna find me out. I'm not I'm not good enough to do this job when really you probably are it's just that you've got imposter syndrome we all get it from time to time do you ever get it carl i've get the feeling that carl has never felt out of place he's looking at me like oh no no i feel out of place but not at work carl can always do his job carl delivers call me the postman (laughs) because i don't come on sunday (laughs) i've never really felt like it at work either touch wood um I think I probably feel it more in podcasting. <laughs> we are all imposters. We are going to get found out. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone listens to this, <laughs> which luckily they won't. Yeah. No. Did you hear that bestiality episode? <laughs> <laughs> they are not fit for this. <laughs> so, are, are you you expanding on the imposter syndrome a bit? I can do. Yeah. So, um, in the Secret History by Donna Tartt, published by Knopf, Richard Papen. I hope I'm saying that right, is your average middle-class bloke who attends an elite college in Vermont. And he worms his way into a clique of five very posh students, mainly really so that... I I think it's mainly so that he can enrol in a particular very picky professor's classes. So he worms his way into this group, but he doesn't really have the same background as these posh kids that he's wormed his way into. So... Like the writer, like Brian, he's got this intense imposter syndrome and he lives his life worried that they're going to find him out as not being anywhere near as fancy as they are. So a quote from the book, On leaving home, I was able to fabricate a new and far more satisfying history full of striking, simplistic environmental influences, a colourful past easily accessible to strangers. So he changes to fit in, he makes up a backstory for himself and he spends his entire life fully being someone else so that he doesn't get found out as not fitting into this environment. But in the book, that leads him into a whole maze of secrets and, eventually, spoilers, murder cover-ups. And even nearly gets him killed. And if he'd just chilled out, just let himself be who he was, not worried so much about whether or not he fit in, then he might not have exposed himself to all that drama. And he could have left a nice, peaceful life after all. So, Brian, if you can, 
I think you should just try to stop worrying about whether or not you're an imposter in this environment and just trust what's going on around you. If people are giving you compliments, as you say in the problem, then you must be doing your job to a good enough degree that, you know, that no one's having a go at you. So you must be doing something right. I would say don't try and change or lie to give yourself more confidence because you'll end up in a sticky situation. Just let yourself be. Just is a... There's a delicious irony to that, isn't there? He was so worried about being an imposter that he made up a story and became the imposter that he didn't The imposter! <laughs> I kind of have the same vibe as you, Aaron. I'm feeling yeah. your vibes, as the 2021 yeah. kids say. Do they? <laughs> Do they? We're, we're vibing right now. <laughs> I've never vibed so much. <laughs> Who brought this vibraphone in? <laughs> Can you play the vibraphone, Liam? Um... I think I can, but I probably can't. <laughs> Is that the one that goes... <laughs> That's a theremin, <laughs> I think. <laughs> the beach words one. Or maybe you're just having a stroke, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, you... I was thinking of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't necessarily have a particular film to talk about, but... I think that you should... Is this um, your way of saying you did no research? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I stopped at Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Um, yeah, so Beverly Hills Chihuahua too. <laughs> <laughs> Pappy and Chloe, they go on. <laughs> so, I, but I do think you're right about um, the imposter syndrome thing. And I think the way to deal with that is maybe to create yourself an alter ego that will deal with it for you. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you're, a minute. Going, <laughs> you're going in the complete opposite direction to me. I was like, be yourself. Just absorb your surroundings. You know, oh, so we're not <laughs> live in the moment. You were like, create an alter ego. Live as someone else. Yeah. Do you, do you think Carl just thought, whatever Aaron says, I'm going to say the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we're vibing. <laughs> we're vibing in opposite directions. <laughs> um and so yeah, like the two of you, of you, can you think of um, film alter egos, film or TV alter egos? There's a few obvious ones. I think. Face off. I want to take his face. They're two people. Oh. They're not really alter egos. Oh they? yeah, Batman. <laughs> Batman's a good one. Salvage that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's Aaron. You you there's one that you have to get surely. Oh, are you thinking of Tyler Durden? Hmm. Mm, yeah, the mask. The mask on my list. Did Danny you miss me? So let's I go. Let's talk about I. Fight Club first. So um, when I was looking at, I've seen Fight Club, obviously, and I've read Fight Club as well. Crazy, I know. But is he? As... You can't read. No, I know <laughs> the audiobook Was it? <laughs> but has um, the Edward Norton character got a name? No, it says narrator on when I was looking it up. Yeah, interesting. They that. call him Jack. Sometimes, because he sometimes quotes the Reader's Digest, doesn't he? I no, am yes, Jack's it, yeah. uh, deflated sense of self-worth mm. or whatever he says. Yeah. Interesting, though, isn't it? That, you know, Tyler, Tyler Dillon's made up, but you don't actually know the name of the person that's not made up. So, yeah, Fight Club 1999, directed by David Fincher. The book's written by Chuck, what's his name? Palanik. Palanik, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the narrator struggling with normal mundane life. Creates Tyler Durden, an uber cool, good looking terrorist, can we say? Yeah. Yeah. Who just doesn't give a fuck. And that's how he deals with his life, effectively. And then we'll move on to um, The Mask. Now, I've only seen The Mask once, and when I was a kid, when it came out. <laughs> what? And I know you two both love it. That's mad. I know. Is it <laughs> it's bad on or mad? Is it on Netflix? I need yeah. to watch it again. But I'll lend you it. I've got it on DVD. <laughs> okay, lend this to me. I won't watch it on Netflix. <laughs> So what what do you think the mask and um, like is the mask a good alter ego? The story of the mask begins with Paul Anker, <laughs> <laughs> and it was later covered by Donny Osmond. <laughs> he um, no, this I mean the moral of it really is that Stanley Stanley Ipkiss is he's really kind of well he's quite introverted in a way, isn't he? He doesn't. He doesn't like express himself a lot and using the mask teaches him to do that a bit more. And then at the end of it, that's how he saves the day and gets the girl and all that. But the moral really of the story is that he should have been himself. Yeah. Because he uses the mask to get uh, confidence and to get superpowers really as well. (laughs) But it actually puts Cameron Diaz off, doesn't it? Mm. When he's a bit over the top as the mask. 
But the thing she's got to realize and is we all wear masks. Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> uh, and who possesses the mask? The dog. No. No. Oh. Uh, the mask is possessed by a god. Oh, is it? Oh, Loki. Yeah. yeah. Loki. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. I need to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> but the best bit is where the dog wears it, for sure. Mm. My favorite bit. Well, it's nine. So that one kind of fits into your narrative a bit more then, doesn't it? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Be sort of. yourself. And then one that doesn't really work, but he's an alter ego. <laughs> Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. Mm. You know, Anakin was filled up with pent up rage. <laughs> like the sand, it's coarse, it gets everywhere. <laughs> that was the main reason he went to the dark side. It, it did, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> In the dark side, there is no sand. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Your journey to the sandless planet is complete. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, he gains the confidence to massacre younglings and stuff, so... We've all always wanted that confidence, haven't we? That sounds like the wrong type of confidence, doesn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, you know when you're walking past the magazine stand and you see the front of Women's Health and it says, Get the confidence to slaughter younglings... <laughs> This summer. <laughs> so, yeah, you've kind of persuaded me your way of thinking. <laughs> if you can't be yourself, create an alter ego, but don't be a terrorist, a murderer of younglings, <laughs> or Loki. <laughs> Find a better alter ego. <laughs> so, Liam, moving on from Carl, I'm sorry, Carl, to That's just right. move on. Just unceremoniously but you've got five minutes five minutes try oh, to can... fucking stick to it this time <laughs> Jesus this H Christ minutes. I mean you know that first whilst we interrupt you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I swear to God <laughs> that, that that first line about you know having trouble persuading myself to feel confident about anything it, it brought brought a line to my head you know what do we know about confidence well confidence is a preference for the habitual voyeur of what is known as Park life. I spent a long time during the prep trying to figure out what that line meant. Park life. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird next line, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I've got no idea. <laughs> do, do you know what that means? Confidence is a preference for the habitual, habitual, vo- habitual as, voyeur yeah. of what is known as park life. It's meaningless, isn't it? <laughs> So, uh, voyeur, as in someone who watches yeah. people. No, but it's, but it's, it's, it's designed to make so you there's, think. There's what a, does it mean when it's actually crap? What's that bloke from EastEnders doing in this video? Part <laughs> life. <laughs> so maybe maybe the habitual voyeur is watching the park life habitually. Well, all the people, so many people. Going hand in hand through their park life. Yeah. But what dun, co- dun, confidence dun, dun. is a preference? Whose confidence? Why are you asking us? You're the music maestro. I was trying to figure What's out... What's his name, the bloke who did this? Phil Daniels. Oh, the magician. <laughs> yeah. Where was Debbie McGee? <laughs> she was in the park. Park oh, life. Park life. <laughs> anyway, it's got nothing to do with the problem. But if if, the, if any of the listeners can tell me what that line means, I, I would appreciate it. So, um, write in. Agonyartpodcast.com. <laughs> was that your contribution <laughs> to this problem? No, there's one hugely successful act that I think will cheer you on here in your problem. It it sounds like you're insecure, but I don't know what for. You're turning heads when you walk through the door. Um, you're down, down. Everyone else in the room can see it. Yeah. Should we all jump in there? But no, we just <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Carl. Take it. <laughs> One Direction. I think we we've exhausted the lines we can quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have we? Have Carl just said? Bleh, 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 for a long <laughs> <bit>. <laughs> <laughs> I thought those were the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> One Direction, 2011. What makes you beautiful? I think this might lose me some street cred, but I really like this song. It was it was co-written by a bloke called Savan Kotecha. I don't know if I've got that name pronunciation right. Apologies, Savan, if you're listening. He has got songwriting credits on a bunch of modern pop songs. Um, he's worked with acts like Ariana Grande, Katy Perry, Britney Spears. The list goes on. 
And he's a protege of the Swedish producer and songwriter Max Martin. Do either of you know who he is? Nope. Um, no. He is so successful that they've made a jukebox musical exclusively of songs that he's been involved in. It's Anne Juliet. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Uh, anyway, forget about Max Martin. We'll talk about him some other time. <laughs> so Van Kotecha, who co-wrote What Makes You Beautiful, in an interview with a Hollywood reporter in 2013, he explained that he wrote it for his wife. One morning, he said she was saying, oh, I feel so ugly. And he responded something like, you're not ugly, you're beautiful. You don't know how beautiful you look. Uh, he probably said it a lot more eloquently than that. <laughs> and when you're then... insecure, don't know what for. <laughs> <laughs> he just launched into the song. <laughs> and, but apparently that was where the idea of the song was born. And I thought that was quite a nice story, you know, and, and you know, quite relatable as well. I think we've all been in that situation where... We've known someone who's like feeling a bit down about themselves, and you're like, "No, nah, you know, you're brilliant. Don't worry about it." Liam, you don't know you're beautiful. <laughs> oh, this means so much. And nor do we. <laughs> that sounds about right. And in the same interview, he said it's the song that he's the most proud of because of the sentiment behind it, the fact it was written for his wife, and also the fact that it made an absolute killing. <laughs> I'm really proud of my golden throne <laughs> and the message from it is a really simple one you know you might think you're rubbish and you don't know what you're doing and all that but chances are there's there's someone who thinks you're brilliant and also that modesty you have is a very admirable trait and the final lyric sums it up really well which is right now I'm looking at you and I can't believe you don't know you don't know you're beautiful that's what makes you beautiful. Na 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 na. So is he saying you don't know you're beautiful, and that's what makes you beautiful? So if she gained some self confidence, he would go off her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're too full of yourself now. I've got. I can end on a very effective way. Um, and my wife says this a lot, which is a lovely quote from Roald Dahl. So uh, you, Aaron, should have come up with this. Mm, but this, this is a quote. If a person has ugly thoughts, it begins to show on the face. A person who has good thoughts cannot ever be ugly. You can have a wonky nose and a crooked mouth and a double chin and stick out teeth. But if you have good thoughts, it will shine out of your face like sunbeams and you always look lovely. I once had a problem that I couldn't solve. I went to the preacher, he couldn't save my soul. I sent for the doctor, he said, I don't know. Then I listened to this podcast, and madness took hold. Okay, so welcome everybody to the Agony Arties. <laughs> the first Agony Arties. The first annual Agony Arties <laughs> where we celebrate a season or a series in the UK of problem solving. <laughs> we are in the UK, so. For our UK fans, a series. <laughs> Celebrating a whole series of problem solving and. A recap of some of the great advice that we've dished. So, the first award is... Drum roll, anyone? I can do that as well. Leave <laughs> drum rolling. <laughs> Worst advice of the year. <laughs> Ooh, I wonder what this is going to be. <laughs> so, is it take your job well, and shove it? <laughs> nominee. <laughs> Liam suggesting to get over your work woes by telling your boss to take your job and shove it first nomination um, Aaron advising to eliminate your duplicitous friend in Tinker Taylor fashion <laughs> and send him to Russia <laughs> um, a couple from me buying a zoo yeah no. that's pretty bad no. that is expensive <laughs> and uh, getting out of zoom quizzes by having a demon kill your friends during the seance that was good advice <laughs> but there's only one winner and it's another one from Liam the agony auntie goes to Liam saying you can paper over the cracks in your life by going on a hot air balloon. Yes! <laughs> that was shit advice. <laughs> it's good enough for Desiree. 
Okay, on to our second award of the evening. Best friend of the show. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you the nominees and you two can decide. Um, this is voted for by the people. Yeah, vote for, the nominees are voted for by the people. And I'll let Aaron have the casting vote. By the person. So it's uh, first nomination, Morrissey. Morrissey, have you got anything to say? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, second nomination is a late comer to the show, but Michael Jackson. Who's also- <laughs> <laughs> and our third nomination goes to David Bowie. Oh, thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Aaron, as lead host for most of the season, who is our best friend of the show? It's got to be Morrissey, hasn't it? He's appeared in the most episodes. Liam fucking loves him. <laughs> and he's just about desperate enough to be in the public eye that we might be able to get him on as a guest <laughs> okay so the award goes to Morrissey <laughs> oh thank you very much it's <laughs> a mixture between Michael Jackson and Morrissey <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on to our third award of the evening the best advice of the year from multiple media this might be take your job and shove it. Later. Could be. And the nominees are Aaron, who suggested many occasions to read On Writing by Stephen King. <laughs> that is well, instant winner. Do we need to carry on? Um, my recent advice to um, watch Hook to learn how to appreciate what you have in your life, which is probably the only good advice I've dished out. <laughs> is that just because I said... This is good advice. Yeah. <laughs> it was validated. <laughs> um, and while State Your Job and Shove It is good, bad advice, um, Liam does win Best Advice of the Year. And it's going back all the way back to episode one with Liam's example of uh, God Bless the Child by Billy Holiday in showing you how to deal with your mum. Oh, my days. That was first problem. Mm. First episode. First, first problem. Episode. Now You've it. peaked. In, yeah. in the very is, first that, is that my best content? <laughs> I think it was. And the worst oh. content wasn't that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we should do a series too. You've been constantly going downhill, Liam. <laughs> okay. Fourth award of the evening. Best source of advice. There's an album that Liam come back to quite a few times. Do you remember what it was? Rumours. talking about rumours? Rumours. I think yeah. it was twice, wasn't it? That's a lot of this more than once. <laughs> the sunscreen, sunscreen song, also, oh, Liam. Excellent. Fountain of advice. Aaron, eat, pray, love. Three good things you can do. <laughs> <laughs> it's the source of three good pieces of advice. <laughs> but there's only one winner. The greatest showman that shows oh, you how boo. you can become zero to hero. You can get oh. whatever you want. I'm starting to doubt. This that. is the greatest show. <laughs> so congratulations to Not Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron. Was it shit? A shit winner. But he was also <laughs> clipping all the way through that in his in his overexcitement about the greatest showman. <laughs> Fucking hell. Be good. <laughs> no. no, I'll turn you down and they can hear you clipping. <laughs> and you can wallow can... in that fucking shame of And the last of all of the evening and the biggie. Host of the year. <laughs> the nominations are Aaron <laughs> and oh my god Liam woo Liam <laughs> and the winner is oh is Carl not getting a nomination and the winner is Carl <laughs> yes. the people have spoken and I am the favourite congratulations to me thank you very much Let's move on to problem three. My friend is a terrible dancer and it makes me not want to go out with her. How do I let her know? How good are you two at dancing? I can't remember the last time we went out dancing, probably years There's ago. A good reason for that. When, I, yeah. um, when I'm not shit-faced, I just stick to the dad dancing. And it's definitely not good, but it's like just... This way. Not over the top. I'm not attracting any attention. No one's thinking he's a shit dancer or he's a good dancer. Mm. I'm just there. But when I am shit-faced, I think I'm Michael Flatley. (laughs) Michael Flatley? Michael Flatley. You just do your legs. river dance. (laughs) (laughs) Your upper body is completely static. Yeah. (laughs) Your lower body Sometimes my arms are outstretched (laughs) or up higher. 
but my <laughs> legs are going like the clappers. But um, <laughs> no, I definitely like. I just, I just. Um, well, you know, it's probably a good thing. Lose all inhibition and go crazy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I can only dance when I'm drunk, and I think I'm fucking brilliant at it. <laughs> you, you're a great comedy dancer. <laughs> oh. I thought it was just genuinely good. <laughs> well, when you leave your neck still and move every other part of your body. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so during lockdown, my wife started doing musical theatre dance fitness lessons on Zoom. Oh. And I thought, this this looks like fun. I'll join you one week. So the first week I joined and they were doing burlesque. So I learned some very sexy moves, let me tell you. Liam, get off my leg. <laughs> but I'm not sure if I want to do them in public. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> so do you reckon your wife wrote this in about you? <laughs> she she <laughs> might have done, yeah. Well, before we forget then, name. Dancers' names. Tiny. Jean- Jeanette Monroe. <laughs> Who? <laughs> yeah, I prefer Jeanette. Liam, mm. you haven't gone first yet. And it will help with the time management because you'll be done. <laughs> yeah, and you can like badger someone else about trying to get done <laughs> yeah. in two minutes or something. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think you could be very honest about it. And I think that's advice I've, I've given quite a lot over the months <laughs> of agony. <laughs> um, and Eddie Grant was very honest about it in 1982. He released a single called oh. I Don't Want to Dance. Oh. Do you think I was going to say Electric Avenue? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you could quote this song directly to your friend and sing to her, I don't want to dance. Dance with your baby no more. (laughs) Dance with you, baby, not with your baby. (laughs) I don't want to dance with your baby anymore. (laughs) Stop trying to make me dance with your baby. (laughs) Um, Have we heard this song, Liam? Uh, You might have done. How does it go? (laughs) It was number one in the UK in 1982. It goes, it. I don't want to dance, dance with your baby no more. No. Never oh, heard it. Well, you haven't heard it then. <laughs> Carry on, sorry. Does it go, I want to rock down to Electric <laughs> Avenue, but I don't want to dance <laughs> <laughs> no more. <laughs> um, how do we take media and make it better all the time? <laughs> <laughs> So here's something that I didn't know about before I looked up this song. And in a 2008 interview with The Independent, Eddie Grant explained that I Don't Want to Dance is actually a protest song. And the lyrics, which sound like they're about somebody ending a romantic relationship, are a metaphor for Eddie Grant saying goodbye to Britain and its deep-rooted class and colour divisions. This is what was in the interview. And and this wasn't just like an empty threat. He actually moved to Barbados after this and recorded the rest of his albums there at his own studio. But crucially, he does say in the interview that you can take the lyrics however you want, which is great in this case because I'm clutching at straws. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you do think that's too much of a stretch, you could ignore that advice entirely and instead listen to Gloria Estefan, who in 1987 told you in no uncertain terms... The rhythm is going to get you. She sings... Rhythm is a dancer. I'm as serious as cancer when I say rhythm is a dancer. That that should have won the Agony Arty for worst lyrics as well, shouldn't it? Just to add to to the... We hadn't mentioned it yet. It can be in next year's Agony Arty's. Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) So she sang, No way, you can fight it every day, but no matter what you say, the rhythm is going to get you. And the point here is that there's no use trying to stop your friend from dancing. You should just accept your fate, because one day the rhythm will get you too. So you might as well join her while you're still friends. What was the point of the first one, though? You you could just tell your friend... Just be you honest don't and say, I don't want to dance anymore. All right. I want to leave Britain and move to Barbados. <laughs> dance with Rather than dance with you. <laughs> Rather than dance with you. That's how bad you are. <laughs> um. Yeah, but what if, Liam? What if Jeanette... He's just spreading shit about her friend to make herself look better. What if Jeanette's the problem here? In Tiny Pretty Things... Were you done? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In Tiny Pretty Things by Sona Charipotra and Donyell Clayton. 
This book is described as Black Swan meets Pretty Little Liars. And it's been adapted into a Netflix series. Gigi is a new girl at ballet school. And Bet is your typical mean girl who hates Gigi. And indeed, any girl who wants to steal her crown and will do anything to bring them down. And I'm not even going to go further into the plot. That's all you need to know. Because what I'm going to tell you is... You should chill your beans, Jeanette. Freeze your peas before you become like Bet. Because what people don't realise is that bringing other people down, like you are with your friend, won't lift you up. Even if you tell everyone your friend is bad at dancing, that won't mean that everyone will think that you're great at dancing. So just chill out. Just, you know. Relax. Yeah, relax, man. Unless she really is bad at dancing. In which case, my advice would be, go out with her more often, because next to her, you'll look great. Yeah, that's a... That's a <laughs> if she's a advice. really bad dancer, people will go, she's shit, but her mate's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's my advice, Jeanette. So, have you, do either of you watched Seinfeld, or have watched Seinfeld? No. No. Haven't we had this conversation already? No, that was Frasier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> I've is... not watched either of them. No. Seinfeld is amazing. That's what you said about Frasier. It's also amazing, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, a lot of things in America, Seinfeld is like... Would you describe it as the best situational comedy ever written? (laughs) No. That's what you said about Frasier. Yeah. I said said they do it better than anyone else. Doesn't mean Mm. that not all the episodes (laughs) are the best. best. (laughs) 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 Like, there's a few... There's only like four or five episodes in Frasier that are brilliant, like pure genius but it's all good but Seinfeld is like a cultural institution in America like there are so many things that come from Seinfeld that American people say like it's ridiculous like a yada like, yada don't, yada don't have a cow man yeah exactly <laughs> but, um, and this one is like a um, one of the most famous episodes called Little Kicks from season 8 episode 4 1996 and um, Elaine one of the main characters invites George to an office party and the party's not going very well, it's not very lively, so Elaine takes her to the dance floor to get the party going and it turns out she's a terrible dancer. So um, we can see she's terrible and it's called a little kick where she just like randomly kicks her leg out and she also, I just kick my leg out, listeners. <laughs> and also she kind of like has a fist with her thumb up and like just jerks her thumb out um, and like almost hits people in the eye. So she's really bad. It's the first time that her colleagues have seen her dance, and so she loses their respect. They start talking about behind her, talking about her behind her back, and uh, they copied the dance behind her back as well. Like she just like completely lost the office over it. But she doesn't know how bad she is, and she doesn't see all this happening. So um, she assumes the atmosphere is because of George. Like it's the first time his colleagues have met her. Suddenly they're not talking to her properly, so she thinks George has said something or did something. So, your friend, your friend might get some funny looks um, when you're out and she's dancing, and she might think it's because of you. She doesn't realise she's a bad dancer. So you need to nip it in the bud, really. And that's what Kramer does. One of the friends, he says, "You stink," and Jerry Seinfeld. And also, you're a bad dancer. <laughs> and Jerry Seinfeld, the main character, he confirms it. She he tries to wriggle out of it, but he says, "Yeah, the little the little flicks, the little kick, you stink." Um, and what they suggest she does is that she films herself dancing and makes her own mind up, which she does, and she says, oh my God, I stink. <laughs> so she realises. And um, But yeah, so I think that um, you need to be upfront with your friend and say, you're not very good. Or just why don't you secretly film her dancing and then show her and be like, oh, and then maybe she'll realise. So without really hurting her feelings. But I think if it's that bad, you need to nip it in the bud. For the viewers... Um Earlier tonight, while we were recording this episode, um, Carl showed us security camera footage of his house (laughs) where his wife was taking in the washing. (laughs) And we all watched her (laughs) bring the washing indoors. (laughs) Can I just know that I get alerts when the security camera's tripped? Yeah, whatever. So (laughs) it's not like I was just staring at it constantly. (laughs) So... 
I think it would be a bit creepy secretly filming your friend, but <laughs> maybe not maybe, if you <laughs> Maybe if it was caught on CCTV, then you could show her. Come to my house and walk through to my garden dancing, and then I can show her. While my wife brings in the laundry. <laughs> yeah, you made me seem really creepy. <laughs> so we've we've broken our streak because we were agreeing all the way through this episode, and then on this last problem. We just went in three completely different directions. Carl said, either tell her or film her. <laughs> Aaron said, don't be a dickhead. Yeah, Moby. it's your fault. It's your problem. <laughs> and I said, either be honest or move to Barbados. You <laughs> <laughs> be honest or don't. <laughs> or join um, in. I think that's the best way to end the series, though. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. With... Absolutely no help. <laughs> Three or four separate pieces of advice. <laughs> totally disparate. And none of them any good. <laughs> yeah. End the way we started. <laughs> and the way we will go on. Riding yeah. high into season two. Yeah. 100%. Series two for our UK viewers. Listeners. <laughs> Can't believe you translate things for your home audience. <laughs> Well, I think that's all we got time for today. Any any final words for the listeners, Aaron, Carl? Uh, I think you should keep an eye out for that giveaway I mentioned. Mm. When we reach a thousand listens... Liam's virginity is up for grabs. <laughs> and maybe a Netflix subscription as well <laughs> for when you're done with him. <laughs> Netflix and chill with Liam or Agony on. <laughs> I am not agreeing to this. Just... <laughs> All right, just Netflix, no chill. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, check the episode notes on agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today and in the rest of the series and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlists where you can listen to all of the songs too. If you have a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts. That's at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website. And we will include them in Series 2. I would like to thank our resident agony aunts for their contributions. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Carl. Cock! Fuck it! Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, dear listener, for listening with your ears. Actually, I I, I can end on um, a review I received from a listener. Uh, My dad. Are you on drugs when you record that podcast? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, we are. <laughs> we are not on drugs. <laughs> we'll be back next series with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. We'll see you then. Bye. See you guys. Mince pies. <laughs> but I'd suggest keep it light because their advice can be shite and they won't be held liable. Oh no, not at all, not here at Agony Arts.